what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. So excited for another episode of You Can Tell Me Anything. We are getting close to the end of the season. These seasons fly by faster and faster. Um, but you're in luck because I'm going on tour live. So you can come see me in person and we can talk. And um, hopefully I don't disappoint you in real life. Um, I will say thank you for everyone who's reached out already about the tour. And um, actually one of my confidants has been a guest on the show. What's up? I won't say your name in case you want privacy, but um, I'm so excited. Uh, I think we're going to meet up when I'm um, on the road in Minneapolis. So please do reach out if you are around a city I'm going to, or even if you're like not sure, if you're like, hey, are you coming by? Because sometimes I am, you know. Um, but I'll tell you where I will be. I will be uh, in Chicago on April 19th at the Lincoln Lodge, and then April 21st I will be at in Cincinnati at MOTR Pub. I don't know if there's a different way to say that, but that's what it's called. April 22nd, Planet of the Tapes in Louisville. I'll be there for two days, actually, April 22nd and 23rd. And on the 25th, I'll be in Richmond doing a super fun show uh, produced by Mary Jane French um, of Traverse Comedy. And then the 26th of April, I'll be in Asheville headlining at Ginger's Revenge. That's going to be a super fun show. That was a show that I was supposed to do in 2020 um, that I had to cancel, so I'm really excited to be coming back two years later. I hope that there are people there and that we have fun. And then um, that following weekend, I'll be at Laughing School Lounge all weekend in Atlanta, so come say hello. Uh, once again, if you want to come and want, I'm still going to give out some free tickets, sign up at tinyurl.com slash Teresa Lee for free. And in fact, I want to give away a ticket right now. I was going to do this beforehand, but I thought, why not read it live on the pod? Okay, let's see. Who are we giving a ticket to? Um, okay, so we have an Atlanta... Okay, confidant from Atlanta, and wow, I forgot to ask for names. <laughs> wow, so... I only have your email address, um, and I don't want to read it out loud because I feel like that might not be great. But if your um, if your email address starts with eleven eight, okay, eleven eight, and I won't read the rest of it. So for privacy reasons, um, let me know, okay, because you're I'm giving you free tickets to your show, the show you requested, at Laughing Skull, um, and if you guys. Think it's too late it's not i basically plan to give out tickets all on my tour because i'll be camping and probably you know posting a lot because it's just gonna be me and my thoughts so uh please sign up tinyurl.com slash teresa lee for free or go ahead and buy tickets yourself you know whatever um if i you know pick your name i'll refund you or whatever um buy them at teresaleecomedy.com slash shows there's links for all the shows I'm on tour for. If you can't find something for some reason, let me know. And um, that's that's the announcement today. Enjoy this episode with Reem Yudon. We met while doing a show at Notre Dame. I said it right. I'm so sorry to everyone who has listened to me say it incorrectly. And this was a super fun episode. Um, you know, it's a classic. You can tell me anything. Up with uh, with a, where we hit some serious issues, um, trigger warning, eating disorders. But also make some fun jokes, make light of it, and uh, in a therapeutic way where we, I think, um, you know, transmutation of uh, any sort of negative energy that may be there. So, yeah, this is one of those classic apps. Um, can't wait for you to hear. Let me know what you think. 
what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. This is You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest. I'm super excited to have my guests on today. Um, we actually just did a co-headlining show together in Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I can't say it. I, Notre Dame. They corrected Dame. you. Notre Dame. I get yelled at. I got yelled at there, too. Because in French, it's Notre, Notre Dame. But then I'm like halfway through it. I'm like, I don't want to say it in French. It sounds pretentious. <laughs> But then whatever. It's fine. Notre Dame. It's Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah, we did a show at Notre Dame and it uh, went great. Um, but that voice you're hearing is Reem Adon. What's up? I just introduced you took a sip of water. Terrible timing on my part. I'm so sorry. That was, you know, that's on me. It's on me and I apologize, but woo, here I did it. Woo. Um, so excited to have you here. I feel like we just like got to know each other, but then we've like run. I, in Chinese, there's a word called Yuanfen, which is like, it's not destiny, but it's just like kind of like energy between two people. And I feel like it's like yeah. we've been having Yuanfen doing like similar shows. So that's super fun. I thought that I feel the same thing. I, I didn't have a word for it. I, I said, mm-hmm. um, but now you've, you've articulated it for me. Thank you. Because, yeah, we like saw each other and then ran into each other again at the JFL thing. So mm-hmm. Yuanfen. Yeah, it was so fun. That was, I mean, that, those situations are so stressful, but it was so nice to have people that I knew and liked on that show. Uh, yes. Um, well, yeah, no, that was like, of, I guess, gone, like, it all worked out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of liking things, before we get too far into it, I like to ask my guests for a good confession, just so we can start on a positive note. Um, so what's something good you'd like to confess? Um, I just went to my very first award show and walked the red carpet for the first time. Um, oh yeah. Did yes. I mean, I don't know if that's like confessy, feshy, uh, but I did uh, have somebody refer to me as a uh, celebrity attendee and she was like you're so famous and I said am I and that's my confession is I don't know if I actually am but you know what we're taking it we're manifesting it we're moving forward that's true fame is when you're like you're not even acknowledging it you're just like I'm just a person it's like stars they're just like us they're just yeah is this my magazine spread where where are they (laughs) that's awesome did you post um did you do like white carpet pictures and did you get like nice photos? did I did the whole thing. I went with my friend Nina and she's like very good at social media. And so like we were on, um, I kind of like followed her lead. So I thought I was good at social media. And then like, I realized I am not anywhere near a lot of my friends. Um, so yeah, I got like all like the videos and like the arrivals and then like the dress and the motion and then, mm. and then the, the fun quirky things to show that like, I'm still my comedic self, like a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, I love that. Yeah. You, um, I remember at the at the JFL showcase, you were really good at social media. And like, I was so nervous. You caught me off guard. You're like, we're here. Where are we? And I was just like, I don't know. We're about to die. And you're like, what's wrong with <laughs> we're, we're in a back room. It's upstairs, I think. Uh, like, I don't know. I feel like dying right now. I'm just like trying to play it cool, but this is stressful. But um, no, you were like, it's very stressful. I was trying to keep it cool. I, I'm never cool with those things. Like, I realized though recently, like in the last few months, I realized like in order for me to do well at a comedy show, I have to get the jitters out. Like, you know, like when you, you try to, obviously we're there to make people laugh, you know, like at the show. Um, but if I can start cracking jokes for 10 minutes with other people, comics, staff, whatever it is, and get that like weird nervous energy out. Cause it's like, most of those jokes don't land. Right. It's more like the, huh, right. <laughs> You're weird like warming jokes. yourself then, up almost like for. Yes. Like, and crowd. yeah. And I think that's like what I have to do for me. I realized like that's the way to get into like the performing mode is like get it all out and then like go in. That's smart. You know what? I I, I yeah. did this and I did it when I don't know. I don't think you caught this. I think there were two guys in there who I was like, don't judge me. But I do this before like not every show, but like showcases where I get nervous is I'll just like do crunches. 
And it is something that is embarrassing. <laughs> but I was like, I don't care because I'm nervous and like really like I'm going to just do anything I can to get this energy out. No matter what, uh, I'm going to step on stage and amazing. be amazing. So I went in the back when everyone was watching, and I was like, I'm just going to do like a power, like a hundred card oh, real quick. And they were like, What's wrong with but it gets the, the energy thing out. is like everybody you know, it makes you tired yeah but people probably are like oh this skinny bitch like she's just trying to like rub it in her faces i don't, like, 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 don't want to look definition. like i'm like i'm trying to train and look hot on stage it's like no it's like more just to like get my muscle you know just like get focused and get my brain like what's not great about it, but, yeah but you were like this cute you had such a nice outfit on it was like this like blazer dress with like sparkles and heels and stuff and I now I have like a visual of you just like doing crunches oh my gosh in yeah, that adorable like, outfit it was, uh, <laughs> oh yeah I thought yeah I got that entire set in Vegas it's like connected like I'm sure if people who are listening may have seen me post on Instagram I was like I'm gonna write this off so I'm posting it but um it <laughs> it's one of those like kind of fast fashion ones that look it does it is nice but it's like a very much like the cheapest way to make it it's like the jacket's not a real jacket it's connected to the shorts you know like know it doesn't mean. really uh, take come off I know but, it's like a costume almost sometimes yeah pretty much but whatever I wore it on stage so now I can write it off uh I think that's how it works oh yeah <laughs> that's exactly how it works mm-hmm. wait so I want to know a little more okay before we get to your confession I know because we met obviously through stand-up and you're you're a very funny stand-up comedian and you've also hinted at being an influencer social media so I'm a little curious to hear more about <laughs> this world like is it for you and whatever you want to you know if, if this is boring for you yeah. we don't have to talk about it but no no uh, no oh my god talk about myself please yes let us continue. no but I'm just like so curious because sometimes you hear I mean it's pretty common in LA to have you know influencers or people who do both but definitely it's more rare to have very funny comics who I like know as comics first who also are you know you, you tend to be like oh I'm gonna yeah. dabble in stand-up and they're not and you're not one of those yeah. cases. you're a very funny stand-up but obviously have Thank a you. social media following so I'm curious like do you kind of when you're like are you, are you like just like identifying as a creator or do you feel like you compartmentalize those things because they're sort of different audiences for both this is like the million dollar question dude it really <laughs> is because I started off doing stand-up and then I'm just such a uh, quote unquote multi hyphenate, or I guess since uh-huh. I'm an influencer, hashtag multi hyphenate. Um, <laughs> oh my God, girl, stop. Instagram friendly. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, right? Hey, boys. And actually, everybody there. Um, no, I, I struggle with this a lot. And I've been talking about this recently too, um, because I do so much. I'm kind of like um, a chameleon in real life and in comedy. I just want to do funny for money. That's it. I don't care what medium oh my it God, is. I so love that. I. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, I started off doing stand up, but then like, obviously you write your own jokes. And then from there, people are like, well, you should write a pilot to have ready. And then you write your pilot. And then they're like, well, you should like make sure your social media presence is good. And so you start writing sketches and then you just keep doing the one and the other. So for me, it's like just flexing the same muscle in different ways. Um, it's funny when they called me like an influencer, like that word is from when I was like growing up, influencer meant like lifestyle influencer, like takes a picture with a like, cup of coffee and a cute bag. And that's before, but now I think it's more so like carving out your niche. And then, um, you know, having a falling within that. So I think that's what makes me kind of a hybrid. Um, but well, yeah, I, I think love, like- I love that uh, you um, are existent, but like, it's not, you're not like, oh, let me do stage shows to enhance my onstage, or on, on, online personality. Like you are very much, like you said, like it shows that you just do things in different mediums as you versus like, oh, this is strategic. Like, okay. so that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I'm glad that's coming off. Yeah, because I- I, uh, it's not like I'm setting out to be a da 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 It's just like, sometimes I think this is funny. I'm like, I want to do the mom character doing it or 
like, you know, sometimes you think of something hilarious and it's so hard to translate it on stage because when you're on stage, it, it's so much more directly tied to your persona. So, um, and like the brand and like the message and it is so, you know, and so on and so on. And sometimes it's just easier to get it out in a, like in a TikTok. Um, even though I, I value the art of stand up more than I value. Sorry, the art of I mean, TikTok, yeah, you know what I mean. Honestly, I love TikTok, and I TikTok is a equalizer in the way YouTube was mm-hmm. before. Not anymore; it's so corporate. But when YouTube first was just a place and anyone could get popular, there's a reason why someone many of the early popular channels were like more nerdy or like like I remember there was like a couple of really popular Asian guys who like I never saw on TV, and so that's like. Mm-hmm. Make, makes sense. And TikTok now is not even about being number one on TikTok. It's just about finding uh, enough people who like what you like. And it's like there's yeah. so many ways to go with that, which is really cool. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to figure out now, too. Are you on TikTok? Are you on the Soshis? I am on TikTok. Um, I'm not like a, t- yeah, I don't know if I would call myself an influence. Every once in a while, like TikTok is the kind of place where people will reach out and be like, you want to advertise as an influencer? So I've like dabbled yeah. in those, but I don't. You dabbled in influencing? Final. Well, because I know how hard how hard it is to like you. There's real work put in, like full time doing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like you're constantly like seeking brand deals and also like vetting your, them and putting content out. Whereas for me, it's like I'm happy when people reach out, but I still feel like maybe this is in my head. I need to get out of like talking to you made mm-hmm. me realize like maybe that's just a boundary I put on so I don't have to feel like I'm behind, you know? Because I am on TikTok, but I'm not comparing yeah. myself because I'm like, oh, everything I do is extra, which is maybe not the right way to think about it because for you it's like you're just like let me just do all this and do it well and you're not comparing at all but then you get further you know and that's that's what you think no that's that's hilarious that you think that because I am comparing constantly and I've talked about this I could be a lot better on social media but it gives me anxiety to watch so many like people doing other things and stuff because then I find myself comparing so then what I end up doing is like posting content and not actually consuming any content which is detrimental and so it's like a vicious cycle so no, no no everyone compares I compare like and thank you for thinking I do it well because in the back of my mind I'm like I haven't even hit 100,000 followers like I'm not even real so it's funny how like every level has imposter syndrome it's crazy it really is wild we all have it though I mean that's like part of what drives us to keep making stuff right like I imagine like hopefully it doesn't always feel as like when you're on when you're auditioning to be even seen as part of the industry kind of like I feel like Mm -hmm. what where we are now like it's like you're clearly doing it, but there's like when you're, I don't know, when there's still this element of like, ooh, let's like do showcases, yes. you know, which I yeah. don't think is like the career forever, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully yeah. like just find the thing you do and you do it. Um, yeah. But that, I think that period of doing comedy can really make you feel insecure because it's like no matter how many things you've done or how good you are, it's still at the end of the day, there's going to be like a five minute showcase where you're still like tap dancing for the industry, which is like, yeah. I love if any of you <laughs> But you know, it's not obviously what you're doing night after night. Like you're yeah. not, you're actually curating like long form stuff and whatever. Trying to, trying to. I still feel yeah. very confused. I'm like, well, what, what are you doing today? Like literally I, I daily will be like, okay, so are we doing stand up today? Are we going to do like TikTok? Are we going to do Instagram? Are we going to cut up our like clips? Are we going to like write something? Are we going to answer? Like it's just so, that's why it's, it's a little difficult like to be a multi-hyphenate because you're like, where do I go from here? Should I be focusing on one thing over another? 
Well, I'm curious, because this is something I asked all my guests, because I started this pod because I um, started going to therapy late in life, but like in my 20s, <laughs> and, I, and then I loved it. Like, I mean, you've heard my set, like I love therapy, but really a big part of it is like, I like to talk about myself, you know, clearly. <laughs> and it was like a way to talk about myself in ways that like, in a way that I never had before with like my family. Yeah. So I like to ask my guests like, what's your sort of like self-care routine do you go to therapy or do you have a confidant like what do you do when you are feeling stressed like do you have or are you just like whatever happens happens like do you have sort of yeah you know a routine and that sort of thing I'm a meditation person I um meditation is my thing I so before before I found stand-up I started doing stand-up in 2016 and like the year before I kind of had like an emotional breakdown uh or as people call it a Saturn return whatever okay Um, yes yes and so um it was like through that I had like dabbled in meditation before, but it was like really that year that I started using it as a way to like deal with like the anxiety and the feelings of not being good enough and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And it was only through that process of like going to mindfulness classes and mm. Kundalini, which I hate, oh, wow. but love. Um, How and did you like, get into meditation to begin with? Was it like through apps or you were like going to class like yoga? I, I don't remember how, but I remember like I, I think I got into it like my early twenties um, because I ha- was just getting, I'm such a um, overachiever that I would, when I first moved to LA, I was just constantly trying to make like be productive. And I might even, it might've even been like the end of college um, where I started just dealing with like the, I can't turn off syndrome because I'm never okay. doing enough. So there came points where I was like, okay, I'm just going to chill for like five minutes. And so I never really looked up how to meditate. I just started meditating, just like sitting quietly. And then I would even do that. Ah. yeah in public dude I would do it in foreign countries I'd just be like I'm gonna meditate now like in Singapore so like on a bench though. it was bizarre it means yeah, also body, very dangerous. Like, no, it's like you know it knew what it needed and it was instinctive like I people told True, me to but it's also like I never like listened and it took me a while don't well I do now but it took until the pandemic I like literally had tried so many uh. times I couldn't do it and then when the pandemic hit and I, we got like, you know, stuck inside. I started doing Headspace and now I do it every day. And it's like, I can't believe I wasn't doing it before, but it's, yeah, it was hard to get into. I actually did a, um, I did a commercial for Headspace during the pandemic. Oh, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, so I, so I just started doing it by myself. And then eventually, like when I had that little meltdown, I needed help. Like I needed professional level, like mm-hmm. guidance. And then there was a place called the Den Meditation, um, which has since gone online just because the pandemic and stuff. Um, but I went to like every mindfulness meditation class, so many different, um, lineages and like forms of, of practice learned a lot, um, found myself. And, uh, that's honestly like how I got onto the path of doing stand up was figuring out that I needed to do something that made me happy. And also, well, it makes me happy. So that's how I got there. Wow. But the head, yeah. And the headspace thing I did, it was like 2020, um, and they were looking for people to do a social media detox. And I was like, okay, number one, huh? I'm down. Number two, um, I meditate all the time. Number three, I already use Headspace. And they're like, okay. And I was like, okay. So I did like a 10 day detox and it was so hard. (laughs) I love that. Especially because it's like they are on a phone. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. I had to like delete the social media apps Yeah, (laughs) and then like film myself. And at first I was like, I'm not actually addicted. Like I told you, I was like, I don't really consume. Uh That's what you think until Mm -hmm. you're like just sitting there and you're like, what now? What do we do now? Like, go on a walk? <laughs> and yeah, actually, yeah, you do go on a walk and it's better. It's all the things like when I used to like, um, I like quit drinking for like a whole year. And when I wasn't drinking people, I knew would be like, oh, that's like, I could never quit drinking. Like that's so good in you. Or there'd be, but I'm like, or in some ways I'd be like, you know, with my friends who like don't drink at all or are sober. And then people who drink 
a lot would be like, oh, um, you know, like, I don't know how to do that. But I thought it was funny because in, in some ways they're like, well, then they actually, in my head, I'm like, oh, you can drink. Like, you don't have a problem. But then in their head, they're like, yeah. oh, I have a problem, so I'm not going to stop. <laughs> it's like such an interesting. Yeah, it's all how you define it. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, yeah it's all how you, your relationship with it. Yeah. Um, well, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, well, we're going to take a yeah. quick break. And when we get back, we'll get your confession. All right, we're back. Reem, the time has come. Is there anything <laughs> you'd like to tell me? So my confession is um, that I used to uh, hide and steal food when I was a kid from my parents because I was, yes, yes, I was, um, I was an overweight child and my parents tried their hardest to remedy this. And unfortunately, I did a better job of getting the food than they did of hiding it and um and so yeah that's the general confession I have details oh I have God. stories it's yeah, yeah I definitely want to unpack it but first of all obviously um it, it's it's very funny to say it, the the way you led with it because it's I was like steal food I was like where are you hiding in the grocery store I caught and then it really, like, took a turn and you know um, turn. So that 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 com- comes with its own <laughs> Um, trauma and all that. So um, I'm sorry you okay. went through that. But um, yeah, whatever you're comfortable sharing. I So it sounds like there was a back and forth conversation about this. Like how old were you? And were you aware of like the, yeah. sort of, like, you know, the image that come like the parental or was it just this like a rule? Like, were you aware of like society sort of like pressure on like, you know? Waiting? Yeah. Well, let's, let's unpack this. Actually, this is this is more therapy for me. So um, my first memory of this, I think I was four. And I wanted this, like, um, it was kind of like this, like, fruit roll-up, like this Arabic fruit roll-up thing that my mom would cut off, like, a two-by-two square of and give it. Uh-huh. And I always wanted more. And then they're, they're like, they're right, fine, you can have one more. And then they're, like, more. And they're, like, no more for you. And I was just, like, so butthurt. I was, like, why no more? I want more. Like, this is America. Give me more. <laughs> um, and so that's, like, the, the first memory I have is, like, being, like, disappointed and, like, feeling ripped off. And, um, I, I wasn't aware that I was like chubby. I just was like, why can't I have this thing that I want? Give me so chubby then I, they more, would, really. I mean, like babies are supposed yeah. to be a little chubby. Sure. But that's like sugar content. So they're trying but to they're probably like things. saying you're overeating it. your daily. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They weren't like, Hey, fat eight. No, that was they're very <laughs> nice. But I just remember them putting it on top of the fridge because I was helping myself to it after being oh told that. And unfortunately, what they didn't realize is that uh, I, like a bear, can climb everything. Oh my! And so God. I was just like climbing furniture to, and I would steal it, and then they'd be like, "Who oh. ate it?" It's called it's called Qamruddin. Like, who ate the Qamruddin? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, what? My sister. Were you scared that probably... they'd catch you? Or were you like, there's no way they know that I can climb? No. And you know, no, I was just so confident. And I think this is why I became an actor. Because <laughs> ah. I just remember like being a kid and like the amount of times that I would take things and be like, nah, it wasn't ah. me. I was like, I think I can do this acting thing. Yeah. You just have to like commit. Oh my <laughs> God. Believe. so funny. Because it was like, that was my first memory of doing it. And then from there... I wasn't, I was just like chubby there. It was fine. But then I actually got overweight. And um, I, it's I like remember too. balance too, right? Because it's not like you yeah. were just eating a lot of food, but you were, specific. I mean, those foods, those snacks are kind of designed to be addictive to kids. So, so yeah. And it wasn't just the snacks. I just had like an overeating problem. And so, um, and I can't tell if part of that is my parents' fault, you know, for making us like finish the plate before we left the dinner. Like you always had to eat. And then 
the aunties would be like, eat more. And you're like, I don't want any. Like, no, eat. And then you eat it. And then also we had an unhealthy relationship with Golden Corral growing up um, <sighs> and like getting getting your money's worth. Like, I don't know if your parents did this, but like going to a buffet, they'd be like, I paid good money for this. Eat your heart's uh-huh. like content. No, and then immigrant thing. My parents yeah. like that. But it's funny that you mentioned it because my mom also had really strict rules about how many like of certain things. Like I could only have one egg a day. And then every once in a while, which is funny because now uh. like I don't eat a ton of eggs a day. Like you're not supposed to because it's cholesterol. <laughs> but it's like, I thought it was like you yeah. would explode. And so now there's days yeah. where I'm like, <laughs> thought- breakfast, I have, you know, a hard boiled egg later. And I'm like, ha ha, suck it. But it's- <laughs> you feel like you're getting away with stuff when you eat more than one egg. You're like, I'm, yeah. I'm supposed to not. That's great. But yeah, yeah, we were also a buffet, really- but we were like, get our money's worth. But then when it wasn't a buffet, it was like limit, hard limit, like one pack of seaweed. Sometimes I think it was like we yes. graduated to two packs of seaweed. And it was like, there, but there were like specific <sighs> rules for every snack. And we just followed I love it. that like we both have such ethnically specific snacks. <laughs> like yours are egg and seaweed. Mine is like the Arabic fruit roll up. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know what this infatuation with buffets is and like getting your money's worth. Like there's something in it there's something like American dreamy about it. of like, you know, like marking your territory and like taking what's yours. Um, <laughs> yes. I remember like going to the buffets and like, that was like the one time I could relax because nobody was going to talk to me. And, um, but I like developed this like sweet tooth. And so like, I would have like one plate of food and where everyone would go back for seconds, I would go back using the same sized plate of food, but go straight for the desserts. Uh, and it was like glorious. Like, uh-huh. I don't know why the, the term is like kid in a candy shop. It should be kid in a buffet line. That is, <laughs> I've never felt freer than at Golden Corral, dude. Um, so yeah, so it just kind of like started snowballing from there. Um, and uh, I developed an unhealthy relationship with butter. Uh, so, and specifically country crock butter. So, um, this is, oh, I don't talk about this in any of my stand right? yet, but, huh? That's when you scoop, right? Yeah, I would scoop it, but unfortunately, like, I didn't want to leave evidence that I had been there, so I would just use my finger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, why would I think it through and, like, wash the spoon uh-huh, instead of leaving uh-huh. it in the sink? But I was like, like, no spoon. So I had, like, this, like, technique where I would just, like, open the refrigerator door, and my family would be sitting, like, you know, in the living room. You can see the kitchen from the living room, but I would use the door as a barricade. And I would just kind of stand there pretending to peruse like what I wanted to eat. And I was like, "Hmm, like, where's the water? Like trying to like move stuff around to pretend while really I was using this hand to like scoop butter up. And I was like, oh, what's that? I dropped something. I just would just bend down and like, that's like right in front of them. Like you're like, it's like, but they didn't know. Hiding in plain sight. Yeah. It was lying in plain sight Um, or hiding in plain sight. Yeah. So the, <laughs> Wait, how old were you when you butter. were doing butter? Was that doing butter? I was when like you a were... 10. When you were doing butter, like it's a <laughs> I was just snorting lines of margarine off the countertop. <laughs> I couldn't believe uh it wasn't butter. It was. Um and I was like 10. I was 10. Yeah. I had a bowl haircut. It was really Aww. I was meant to be a comedian when I grew up. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I would just like sneak butter and it was, I never got caught with the butter. I eventually uh, told my sister and then blackmailed her not to tell my parents, oh my but it was like, yeah. So it was like things like that, where I would like steal food. Um, Wait, why another... did you tell your sister? Do you felt guilty? I, I told her recently. I don't know why oh, okay. I was just I was like, cause it's yeah, like, I just was like, I gotta like, tell I you something. I have to tell someone like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got like a flashback. Um, I'm gonna light some, um, but and then, uh, so it progressed, right? So it started with the butter thing and then it started progressing. And then 
Um, it just, I think it was a power play, honestly, of like people telling me I couldn't have something and then me being like, I'm going to have it anyway, you know? Uh-huh. So I graduated to, um, do you know what Turkish delights are? Oh, yes. Uh huh. Yeah, it's like the little gummy with powder, like powdered sugar on it in the square. Again, very ethnic. (laughs) I wish I was like Gushers, but no, I'm like Turkish delight. I wasn't allowed Uh, to have Gushers. Oh, you weren't? No, we. My mom like wouldn't buy anything with like artificial flavoring, and but then when my brother got all, well, we were allowed to have the fruit roll ups or fruit by the foot because she was like, it's real fruit. But I was like, I don't know. Yes. You're right. I think they, there was a distinction. My parents were, we would only get gushers if we were going on field trips. I don't know why, like you couldn't develop diabetes on a field trip, but that was the one time that they gave us uh, like some slack. But yeah, so then the I remember the they brought rules, tur- Like once you break the rule and you're okay, it kind of negates all the rules. So it's like- You're so right. And you broke it and they didn't know. So yeah. you're like, whatever. Yeah. And also you feel like you're like in control, right? Because as a kid, it's always- them telling you what to do and like them giving you what's for dinner and stuff but like when you can just take it it's kind of like you're independent in a sense um yes yeah, so I remember like they brought home like Turkish delights and I was like can I have more than one and they're like no you have to limit yourself come on like your brother and sister are fine you need to limit yourself and I was like Aww. fine so what I did was I uh would go downstairs at night when everybody was asleep and I would steal the Turkish delight box. And usually they would buy more than one. So I would take like the bottom one. Um, and I would hide it in the bathroom, like underneath all the towel, like in the drawer. I hid it like right. <laughs> and then whenever, like, like whenever they were awake and I wanted to eat some, I would just pretend that I had to take a massive shit and just like sit there in the bathroom and like cough when I was like ripping the plastic. Like, <laughs> oh my and it just like, God. So just like eat it. It was really, yeah, low, low point. But also, never noticed because you you went bold and were like, "Let's take the whole box. They won't notice." Take the whole box. Yep. Never oh. got caught. Never got caught. Yep. Wow. Problems. Yeah. But I will tell you the one time it came to bite me in the ass. The one time where um, I had some divine interference was uh, <laughs> so I moved away to the Middle East for four years because um, my dad he was a professor and they wanted to give us like an experience of like living outside the United States and whatnot, connect with mm-hmm. our culture. Um, be closer to the snacks that I was eating in America. So, um, but I remember like by like year two or three, like, or even by year one, you start to miss like a lot of the snacks that they have in the United States. Mm. Um, and uh, like- Where were you in the Middle East? I was in Bahrain, which is like an island kind of by Saudi Arabia. Um, and I remember like, I missed Jolly Ranchers so much. And so every year we'd go back to the state, to the States for summer and we'd get like, we'd load up on candy, just go to Walmart and get like every kind of American candy that they don't have in the Middle East. And one year I got like a bag of Jolly Ranchers um, and it was like the, the gooey, delicious ones. Um, and I had a friend or a family friend and she would like break into my stash. I mean, it wasn't my stash. It was the family's, but uh-huh. mine. Um, and she would like help herself to Jolly Ranchers. And I was like, you don't understand like supply and demand. The supply is very low for those. And I demand that you put that shit down. Um, and so it happened enough times where I found out she was coming over and I was like, no, fuck this. So I got the Jolly Ranchers and I, this girl, like she would break in and, and look for things too. Like she would just help herself to cancer. <laughs> That's why you're in my it. room. Yeah. So I, because I'm so good at lying about hiding and stealing and food and like, I know all the tricks, right? I've done bathrooms. I've uh-huh. done sofas. I've done like closets. I've done everything. So I was like, what will be the smartest place that she will never look? And I was like, inside the oven. Oh my God. She will never fucking look 
inside of an oven if there's not brownies baking in it. Oh, so no. you know what? I'm I'm gonna hide it. So like I I did. I like middle of the night went there, or I not even middle of the night before she got there. I like grabbed Dolly Richards, hid them in the oven, grabbed the entire stash of American candy, oh, and hid them. And she comes over and she's like, "Do you guys have anything?" I said, "No." Nah. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> later, we started smelling smoke. Oh, my God. Um, like a very distinct uh. scent of smoke. And it turns out my mom had um, turned on the oven to preheat it oh and didn't know that I had hit all that shit in there. And so it just became like a candy fire. A candy fire is intense. Let me tell you that. Um, yeah. And I, I think mean, all it those like, ruined the oven. <laughs> it ruined the oven? Yeah. Yeah. Because of artificial bullshit. And it was just like, it was like a coat of glass. It was very intense. And plastic uh, too, right? Because like. The yeah. The plastic was burning. They're like, don't inhale. Did she like immediately know it was you? I don't remember. I don't think, I, I think it was so burned that. It was like we, not, that wasn't even the point anymore. And it was yeah, like yeah. going through these lengths to hide Jolly Ranchers and like, we probably shouldn't say anything. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They're like, oh, it was the fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause when you said you like stole food, I was like, oh, you probably like sneaking in the snack closet, but you had like hiding spots. You had like a Marauder's yeah. map of where all. The- <laughs> <laughs> I was devious, dude. Like this was a this explained. My parents were like, "We don't understand how she's still gaining weight." <laughs> it's because I had a I had a plan. I was going to night school for that. But the, I guess it's well. I mean, I, I'm in, I'm inferring a lot, which it may not be totally true. But it sounds like you um you had like very like. In, in a nice way, like a, a naive, naivete of a child who was like, I want this and it makes me happy. And it could mm-hmm. have, um, I'm sure there's emotional, you know, stress when your parents are looking at your weight, but um, it sounds like yeah. there was like a, like, it could have been a lot worse in you, like internalizing it and making, like trying to fit into their regards. And there's something really sure. beautiful about how you were like, in spite of what you guys want. I'm going to find a way to be happy. And like hearing the story, it's like, I love that. Like finding like joy in the bathroom. And it's like, I don't know that. That that makes me like, (laughs) yeah, you know what? I thank you for looking at it that way. So basically what you're saying is I was an entrepreneur from the get go. I knew how to fulfill self love. Like you can, you're, you're a survivor, you know, you know how to like, um, I am a survivor. What is that show where they're like, uh, yeah, what is it, or where they're out in the wild and they have to like compete? Survivor, right? <laughs> I said survivor, oh, sure, yeah, but I, that, I realize that sounds like I'm a. <laughs> I Maybe meant a survivor friend, in the survivor reality show way. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I thought you meant like in the Beyonce way, and I took it. Oh, sure, uh, and but... that, yeah, yeah, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it did set me up for a lifetime of uh, body weight issues, but you know what? Like, it was delicious at the time. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, like, how did that matter? Because obviously, it's very different going from the 10 year old to like your teenage years, where I know, like, you know, there's a lot more hormones and also just like general um, society pressures. Like, did your parents ever like have a more serious talk with you, but where they're like kind of backed off or, you know, or like, did it <laughs> back off? How did it? Or were you just naturally like, okay, I'm just... Well, you tell me if immigrant parents back off over time. Do they back off? <laughs> no, I just stopped picking up the phone, but no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Yep, that's what, yeah. Um, no, so how it progressed. So we moved back to the United States. I continually, like, I had a, a poor relationship with food. It, it became, like, my weakness in a sense of, like, it became my 
public weakness. Like okay. you knew, like, you know, when um a kid has like a really big nose or something like that, like that's the first thing pe- kids will, you know, bully him for is like, oh, like the surface level insecurity. So mine was obviously my weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of like at the forefront of my mind the entire time. So right now, like, I feel like my, my I'm very aware of my weight, whether I'm underweight or overweight or middle, I'm always aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there came a point where my parents, uh, they forced me to go onto Weight Watchers. They're like, this is, we need to take, wow. we need to take control of, we need to take control of your life. I said, I think you already have, but okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, that like was a thing so I think I was 17 and then I topped out at almost 200 pounds and my parents were like but they weren't like it wasn't cosmetic they were just more concerned about my health um oh and the point I was gonna make beforehand too was like because it was such an outward insecurity mm-hmm. um and the fact that I was like hiding food and like sometimes like my my siblings would catch me like my sister would know that like for example we went to like a, a theme park once and i bought a caramel apple and i was told not to buy a caramel apple because i i love those i love sweets I love and they're like sweets. don't buy sweets yeah and i remember they're like don't do it and i was like okay and then i did it and my sister like blackmailed me for like two years she was like do you want me to tell dad do you want me to tell oh him that you God. ate the caramel apple and i was like Ugh. so i gave away some of my power because it you know it was it showed that i cared uh-huh. um so eventually like, they're like, okay, like, what can we do to help you? Um, just kidding. This is what we're going to do to help you. And they forced me onto Weight Watchers. Um, but I will say that actually was the program that kind of like straightened out my relationship with the food. Cause it was more, it was like go on the Atkins diet or this diet or whatever. It was more like, okay, like, what are we focusing on? It's better to eat these foods in unlimited supplies versus like this is kind of thing. And if you do like be aware of it. So I think that was the first time I really started developing an awareness of like the direct relationship, like a nutritional value food had on me. Okay. So that was good. Yeah. Cause yeah. the intention, but, uh, I think it's sort of like what works for, cause you know, obviously the diet industry can be really savage, but there's also, it crosses over with like the health industry or whatever. And I think at the end yeah. of the day, it's like, what makes you feel good. And if you're getting to a point where you don't feel in control and you don't feel good, it's like, it, it doesn't matter yeah. if you're you know, whatever, 200 or 100 pounds, it's like, you want to feel like yourself and you want to feel in control. Yeah. So yeah, sure. that's, yeah, that's exactly. Because the relationship, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I feel like I had that with drinking. Like I, I drink now, but I, when I quit, it was like, I got to a point where it was like becoming a crutch kind of. And mm-hmm. I don't think genetically it was like alcoholism, but it was emotional for sure, where that was the thing that was standing in for uh, everything. So I had to just like yeah. walk away for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's interesting. And how do you feel now? You feel like you're more in control of it? Yeah, well, I joke about this because this part is true. But it was like when I was sober, I was still crying outside bars. And <laughs> that's when I was like, Oh, there's something deeper here. Like, the alcohol was like an easy way to be like, Oh, I'm drunk. So I feel this way, you know, and like people kind of mm-hmm. recognize that as like, ah, she's being a mess. But then when mm-hmm. I was like sober, and I was like, I'm not really I was like, I can get through this. This isn't like how it should be all the time. So I, I did yeah. EMDR, which is trauma therapy. Um, and, I, and it helped a lot, oh, cool. but it turned out, yeah, I, I mean, I could drink now. It's fine. But I have the tendency to want to hyper-focus on one thing, like be obsessed when I'm yeah. in that panic mode. And so I know that now. And if I feel it, I like, you know, it can come out in like crystals or meditate, whatever, you know. Interesting. Because I feel the same way sometimes. Even when it comes to food, it's like I'm hyper-focused on frozen yogurt for like a year where it's like all I eat um maybe it's like it's because you get serotonin from it I mean we all do from eating but maybe as a child Mm -hmm. like the patterns in your brain 
um, it's super, it's a little bit more heightened, which isn't a bad thing. It's just being aware of it. It's like if I get more pleasure from drinking than the average human, be, not from alcohol, but from like, I don't know, the emotional part, then I should be aware of it only because it's like alcohol has yeah. negative effects. Um, but sure. yeah, that's that a also point. means you might be able to find those positive emotional vibes you got from food. If it's not the actual food itself, it's like the, you know, the memory or the act of finding something that you're a lot, not allowed to do and doing it for yourself. Like that mm-hmm. feeling of achievement can mm-hmm. be found in food, but also other things. And then you can like yeah. balance it out. But that makes sense too, because I feel like I value, I don't like eating the same food. Like I go to a restaurant, I don't like ordering the same thing. I like always want variation. I always want to like try new restaurants or try new food, like try different thing on the menu, try the weirdest thing on the menu. And there's something like, there's some kind of power I feel when I like get to like eat or drink the rarest thing or like the cool thing or whatever it is like that's maybe an expression of the that novelty. in a weird way I mean our brains are yeah, the novelty enjoy novelty which is yeah. the argument men will use about how they're not allowed to or they're like not wired for monogamy which ah. at some level you can say but then you can also say you're not wired to like have the same like breakfast every day either so it's like yeah. whatever dude so you know yeah. you don't drive the same car don't live in the same house whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's there's generic. ways to simulate novelty without yeah. um without just constantly being like looking around for a new partner or whatever yeah i agree i agree yeah well thank you for sharing that um yeah i feel like there were so many layers to that and i and it doesn't i feel like it's like of course it's like you know i i understand having to go through any image issues is really tough but i i i have never heard like the way you you like handled it and it's like so cool to see how every individual especially like Obviously, I've heard your comedy, so I'm like, you have a very interesting mind. But watch, like, hearing how you reacted as a child on instinct was like, I'm gonna climb up this fridge. It's like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's great. Thank you. Well, it's something I, I definitely want to start talking about in my stand up because I find it interesting. I, I try to, I used to try to talk about the Weight Watchers thing, but I find it difficult. It's very difficult for audiences because, you know, right now I'm, I'm average, like, I'm not, you know, overweight or anything. So it's hard for people to connect with mm. that storytelling because I'm not overweight now right I'm not like I'm, I say like oh I used to be fat whatever but I'm not now so people it, people it is really, a wall kind of um everyone has their own triggers yeah because for me I almost said sensitive but that's not really what I meant because it's like they're va- they're justified in being sensitive in the sense yeah. that it's not like they're being too sensitive but like you know uh, though even the word fat is very triggering and I feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. saying it at times because which is silly because it's mm-hmm. like it's just a description word but it's something where yeah. like Growing up, I remember feeling like, oh, I don't want to make fun of anyone for being fat, but just by being a, like a skinnier person, I always felt like yeah, I had to like go, you know, I don't know. It's so weird, but it's like there's privilege in that Probably conversation, favorite. right? So yeah, I really understand what you're saying. But um, no, I mean, the, the bear analogy was really funny. So hopefully you find a way. <laughs> I'll bring it back. I'll rewatch this podcast and I'll bring it back. I mean, the Jolly Rancher story is great. Um. I just like hope she doesn't find this. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told her, but I was like, I I was mad at that. I was like, you destroyed my secret stash. Uh, and also the fact that she, you work so hard and she just came in and was like, I'm going to search. <laughs> yes. And I was like, do you understand? I get this once a year. Once a year, I go to the motherland and I bring this back. <laughs> I import this. I import it to this country. And you're just going to eat it willy nilly? Like, Oh my no. gosh. That's so funny. I just literally had like, not a flashback, but it like, I just realized that I do kind of hide food at my boyfriend's place. 
Like, how? <laughs> like, because he doesn't how? eat snacks. And I, he's, whatever, it's fine. He's a hot boy. And he's in, in the sense where he, like, actually, like, is like, I'm going to eat protein and not and eat these veggies, which is fine. <laughs> but I'm like, I love a snack and I love chocolate and <sighs> I love to snack when I'm just like hanging out. And so I had yeah. to like start stashing snacks because he'd always like throw away <sighs> snacks. If I love oh so my I, like, God, put them so in Ziploc bags <laughs> in drawers. That's so cute. You're actually hiding. Oh, that's amazing. So that when I go over there when I'm hungry, because I'll be like, do you have chocolate? He's like, no. I'm like, hold on. I think I hid some. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my God, that's so smart. You should get like, you know how they have those, um, those rocks that you can hide keys in outside. I'm sure they have like undercover cookie jars that you just can like, just like, why are there so many ants on this rock? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or like, babe, I got you a safe. Oh my God. <laughs> Only I know the code. Yeah, it's guns and uh, some candy in it. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I want to end with a quick game. Okay. This uh, is inspired by your joke where you say, I only eat pork when I'm drunk. Um <laughs> Which is a reference to not, you know, not being able to eat, eat pork and not being able to drink. But um, yeah. I like that setup a lot because I just think it's a like I only blank when I'm blank. So this is um, I'm just going to read some random. These are like less like, you know, serious, less. Uh, they're not religious space. They're just kind of silly ones where I'll say okay. like I only blank when I'm and then you just finish the sentence with whatever comes. OK. To Okay. Oh, I love this game. Okay, let's go. Okay, so here's the first one. Um, I only sing in public when I'm thirsty. No. Okay. For attention. Thirsty okay, for attention. Um, yeah. I only Does post. Does this make oh. sense, or am I speaking honestly? Um, whatever you want. I'm making I mean, a joke. It can make sense, or you are can... we mad living, or are we? Well, oh no, we're not mad living. These are just one-offs um so you can say okay. what makes sense or if you don't want to say what's real you can say a silly one <laughs> okay well, the truth is i never sing in public i don't sing in showers i hate singing because i and i hate when people sing to me okay so you can say i never do okay that works okay yeah. so i never i never sing in public um okay um i only pay for a date when they paid for the previous date okay that's, that's very democratic <laughs> Um, I only post thirst traps when I'm feeling insecure because of social media. Okay. Um, I only speak Which to is such under... a fun cycle, isn't that? Like, I know, right? Oh, it's like, oh, yeah. They're making me insecure, so now I have to post something to make others insecure. But they're posting things, and now I'm insecure, so I have to post something. And then God. you get that boost, and it really works. I'll post thirst traps before I go to bed because of that. So <sighs> I don't say. Cause I, but I know I'm like... I feel bad. I'm going to bed. And I'm like, I know I'll wake up and feel good, but I don't want to have that immediate. Yes. I want to wake up to a hundred likes. It's okay. We all do it. That's why we're in comedy. Um, mm -hmm. I only speak to the manager when I'm at a restaurant. Okay. Do you do that? Have you ever been? I mean, oh, I, I, I'm so nice. I really am. I like Colorado isn't the Midwest, but we're a very nice state. But if you fuck with my food, if I'm like waiting for like a stupid amount of time and I'm very understanding, I'm lenient. If you communicate, I get it. But if there's like, if I'm being ignored at a restaurant, I, I start like fuming. Um, and that's really the only times I ever, I'm like, hi, we're going to have to, we're going to have to comp this. No, no, no. Can I, can I see your manager? Yeah. Usually I can deal with incompetent salespeople, but like if it's at a restaurant for some reason, this all goes back to being a fat kid. I'm like, give me my food now. 
or I will find a way to hide it. Oh my god, you're just like in the kitchen, like I'm not I'm squirreling this stuff away. Yeah. Um, I just suddenly remembered your story about your dad, which uh, asking for a shirt at what was the restaurant? Was- Olive Garden. Olive he Garden. literally he, so he he loved the ties. He was like, "What can I buy these ties?" Like, you guys have to like, catch um, Reem live and hear the story, but <laughs> so yeah, bad, hilarious. Um, okay, let me do two more. Um, I only talk to strangers when <laughs> when I'm grieving. I love talking to strangers. I talk to strangers all the time. Okay, nice. That works. Um, okay, and I only bomb when I'm. <laughs> I only bomb when I'm hyper aware and nervous, which doesn't happen often handful of times but it's only when i'm like super hyper aware of like okay this is just in the audience and they're gonna think this and it, it's a multicultural audience it's a bit, when i get in my head so when i get yeah, in my head, in my head. i feel like i don't want to end with the bomb okay i don't know i i have a list <laughs> and i'm just like picking random okay let's end with this one i only listen to nickelback when i'm i only listen to nickelback uh when i'm feeling emo when i'm yeah okay yeah when i'm singing I defaulted to Blink-182. I was going to be like, when I'm singing and I'm happy and I listen to Nichols. Blink-182 is, I can't even believe you put them on the same plane as Nickelback. I know, but it's just the same part of my life. (laughs) What does Nickelback have? He's like the... uh, Nickelback, I mean, I guess Nickelback just gets made fun of a lot. It's not that good, but it's not that bad in a sense. But I think it's just like, I think it falls into this territory of like, why kind of for me it feels like a gray <laughs> rock it feels like sludge but you know I'm a sure gray they... rock that's i'm sure that's how they they describe <laughs> themselves in pitch meetings i got this great new band very gray rock uh yep. very just smooth cold a little bit uh like concrete it's like you're like it's music i don't know if i like it but i don't have the energy to turn it off so I'll yes um yeah well, Thank you so much for doing this pod and for confessing. Of course. Uh, tell the audience where people, they can find you, follow your socials, and um, plug all the things you want to plug. Yeah, follow me on social media, Instagram, TikTok um, are my two favorites, all at Reem Edan, R-E-M-E-D-A-N. I post stand-up, I post sketches, characters, random shit. Follow me there. And follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod. Follow me at Teresa Lee Bot on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. You Can Tell Me Anything is a comedic podcast created and produced by Teresa Lee on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. The Hoo Ha Ha team is Ashley McAtee, Audrey Povar, Maggie Week Austin, Cardi Assad, and Stephanie Binot. The theme song for this podcast was created by Cody Johnston. The outro music was written by Shipwreck Sailor. And the Hoo Ha Ha app can be found in the Apple Store to stream your favorite comedy series and laugh out loud podcasts by the funniest woman in comedy. To contact this podcast specifically, you can email tellmeanythingpod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at tellmeanythingpod. Thank you.